Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for being here. What a wonderful welcome, and welcome to our Sunday special edition at A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, August 5th, 2018, and my name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, August 3rd, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is... 11740, that's 11,740. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, it's 11742, 11,742. This morning, A Vision for You presents Life is in Session. Who will be my teacher? No problem can be solved by the same kind of thinking that created it. An unadulterated quote from Albert Einstein. A teacher is needed. Life is in session, daily living. Now we're sober, woo-hoo, or whoa, don't. It didn't work before, what's going to work now? Constantly up against succumbing to those desires that ended up worse than the day before. It's got to be different this time. Page 63 of the big book tells me I might need to have a teacher. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. We were reborn. Who or what will guide us from this place? Remember, we are sober. The big book was written experience as a standard for being reborn, filled with stark evidence, exciting testimony, declaring that each have been utterly transformed, mind and body. They appear in the way of personal de uh, demonstration, experiential observation, conclusion, awakenings, and simply aha, holy moly moments. They're jaw-dropping words, unbelievable but true. This simply cannot be, can it? These fellows are no longer as they once were, seemingly hopeless, one right after the other. By what means does someone so deadly bent on self-destruction turn about face? From whose and what source does one person think a certain way for decades, driven by a destructive pattern of living, rise up out of debilitating ashes? One of your choosing. This teacher is in every single day, in every encounter we face. For instance, simple ones, like a phone call that raises my dander. Teacher moment. I hold my breath too long until I finally snap. Teacher moment. I am reborn, remember, a lifelong learner now. Today we are going to hear about who this teacher is for one of our own fellows. No longer self-directed, nor self-taught. We are going to hear from her just how she has enlarged upon this relationship to have realized the power that is in this big book, her personal story, story evidence of her personal experience. <clears throat> Pardon me. Our guest speaker today will describe for you what it was like for her living in disease, what brought her to OA, then she'll share how God is enlarging her spiritual life. Wow, what a teacher. Jen A. is a recovered compulsive overeater and a regular contributor in service on our Big Book Daily Studies, our phone meeting that's living one day at a time as a lifelong learner, passing on what she has learned for what was so freely given to her. She is from the beautiful state of Colorado, and we are pleased to have her on the line today. Please help me welcome Jen A. to A Vision for You Sunday Special Edition. Welcome, Jen A. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Wow, um, that was beautiful. 
Um, I'm so grateful to be here with everyone this morning. Um, I'm Jen A., a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from Littleton, Colorado. And um, first I want to start off with a prayer. Um, I have, uh, you know, when Leah asked me to do a special edition a few weeks ago, I thought, oh, give me a few weeks to to plan and prepare, and um, <laughs> I laugh because God's laughing, and, um, you know, uh, what came up for me was um, a lot of writing and a lot of inventory, um, and, and just life came up, and um, I met with my sponsor yesterday, and, uh, you know, we prayed this prayer, this contract with God, and it goes like this, God, I want to be of service to you and your children. I can't do this alone. Give me the understanding and belief that when I work with your kids, that you will have my back and that I will do no harm and that you will give me intuition to speak your truth when I work with others in program, that you will continue to show me that when others exercise self-will, it is their right and choice. May I do your will always. Amen. So I pray this morning that... um, God would just use me. <laughs> um, I said that, I think, on the line, and somebody boxered me the other day. I'm like, oh, did I really say that? Yeah, God use me. Um, let me be the channel, right? Like in that 11th step, beautiful St. Francis Frere. Um, and so let me just start off with um, what it used to be like um, before I came to OA. Um, it started out um, like every other person in this program. I think the stories are similar. Um, I was a kid growing up in a household, two parents, a sister. Um, you know, I had um, my first bout um, with dieting um, was around age eight, um, Weight Watchers. Um, I was that um, round belly little kid. My nickname um, that my parents gave me was Pooh Bear. And um, I, you know, it's because Pooh Bear had this little round belly and his shirt wouldn't stay down, couldn't cover his tummy. And that's my nickname, and that's how I grew up. Um, I grew up in a very loving household, two wonderful parents. There's nothing that my parents didn't provide for me. I had a beautiful sister. We were 18 months apart. She's 18 months younger than I am. Um, uh, you know, as far as, as, as the eating history, um, it wasn't until I came into this program and I um, heard you all qualify that um, I started to remember things because I think I had shoved them down with food for so long that I didn't know. Um, Weight Watchers at age eight, um, I would go with my mom. My mom's like, I need to go. Why don't you come with me? Um, And no, you know, no, she didn't mean any harm. Just, you know, she loved me and and wanted to see me happy. Um, She wasn't happy either, I don't think. Um, And, uh, you know, I just remember um, we grew up in a household. My mom was going to medical school and my dad worked for IBM. So he was always traveling and we had au pairs and nannies um, that took care of us. Um, but there was never any really good food in the house, right? Like um, my mom only fruits, vegetables, um, meals were made. You ate everything on your plate. Um, the only good thing that was in the cupboards when I grew up was um, chocolate chips to make cookies every once in a while. Like that was a special treat and cake mix for birthdays. Um, besides that, no soda, no chips, nothing like that. And so um, my MO was that I would go over to a friend's house. I had this friend, Leanne. Um, her mom had a pantry that was packed to the gill. And I remember, I can tell you, I can vividly see the pantry. I can tell you which way I slid the door. I can tell you where the Twinkies were. And I would grab like four or five of them. I'd run to the bathroom. I'd shove them all in. And I would stuff the wrappers in a, in a wad of um, tissues and stuff it in the bottom of their um, trash can and then run back upstairs to play Atari again, right? 
And uh, so it was just hidden eating. Um, I stole food from the grocery store. I'll never forget getting caught. My mom's like, what are you doing with that? I'm like, whoops, <laughs> you know, because I just wanted it. I couldn't get it, so um, I, I just stole it. Um, the other part for me, too, um, was babysitting for all the families in the neighborhood. I was like the neighborhood babysitter, right? Because um, I would go over and they always loved me. The kids were always in bed in time. Of course they were, so I could eat. And then um, I always picked the families who had the really good food. And I would always just eat a little out of this box, a little out of that box, a little out of this. So they wouldn't know that an entire something was missing from their pantry and their house and everything was always so cleaned up the kitchen. They just loved me. So I kept, um, being invited back to babysit. Um, so uh, fast forward a little bit, and, um, you know, uh, junior high was a really hard time for me. Um, you know, I started putting on a little bit of weight, and um, I look back at pictures now, and I just want you to clearly hear me say I was never obese. Um, I was just chubby. I was just that little poo bear, right, with the little belly. Um, but I had someone I was comparing myself to my whole life, and that was my sister. And we are the same height, the same, not the same weight, the same height, but she was the athletic build. She was the, the athlete, the soccer player, you know, just like go, go, go. And um, so that's what I compared myself to. And in junior high, I started comparing myself to all the other girls. Um, they're so pretty. They're so popular. I want what they have. Um, and so I started to dabble in other things because I couldn't get any type of, um, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't make friends, right? So, um, you know, I, I got caught smoking on the side of the bu building between the junior high and the high school, and then my parents pulled the card out of, like, oh, you're switching schools. I'm like, switching schools? I just got caught smoking. But they were like, you're on a downward spiral, right? So um, they sent me off to a, a private Catholic school in eighth grade, and that's where I went. Um, and, you know, eighth grade was good, but then ninth grade I was, like, dreading because it was going to be all girls, right? And I thought, oh, God, who wants to go to school with all girls your freshman year in high school? And um, that's the year where I was feeling so sorry for myself. I, you know, it was the poor me syndrome, the pity party all the time. Um, you know, my sister's going to this other school. I'm at private girls, all girls Catholic school. Um, and why me, Right. And so I decided to hang out with the cool kids. And the cool kids smoked marijuana, drank a lot, got in trouble. And um, that's just where I found my place was with those people. I just wanted to be liked. I just wanted people to like me. Um, that didn't serve me well either. But I also knew that all these girls were getting in trouble, one in rehab for this, um, one, um, you know, was going through alcohol detox for another. It was, it was pretty realistic and scary. Um, the, the blessing, and I, and I thank God for this every day, is that I'm, I'm not an alcoholic and I'm, I'm not a drug addict. I was the person who stood there and drank the one beer, took the one hit off the bomb, and then that was it. I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be liked, right? And so that was, that was my story. Um, in the meantime, I was just eating. And, and, and I remember this because I used to remember at night I would go upstairs to the bathroom and I would be sitting there, my stomach hurt so bad, and all I would do, that's the only time I ever prayed, was sitting there in the bathroom because I was like, my stomach hurt so bad because of what I had been eating all day or whatever it was. I just remember my stomach always hurting. Um, high school was another story for me. Um, my parents said, if you get good grades, we'll transfer you back to your um, core high school that uh, all the kids I'd grown up with since kindergarten. 
so I got good grades. I transferred back, and um, the next thing I know, you know, I'm like, oh, I, my little sister is a freshman. I'm a sophomore, and um, I'm I'm hanging out with her. You know, I'm just hanging out with the kids she's hanging out with, and and having fun and doing life. And I don't ever remember the food being an issue at that point because I was satisfied. I had friends, and so it kind of subsided for a while, honestly. But still, I was never the skinny girl, never the popular girl. Um, nothing like that. It was just, um, you know, I was always just trying to fill, uh, fit up, uh, you know, measure up to my sister. Um, and, and that's it for me. But, um, then comes college, right? And I go to college, I'm like, freedom. All right, here we go. So I leave for college and I decided everybody in the state of Colorado, I went to the biggest, largest high school, over a thousand graduating kids in my class and all the kids, um, all the kids, um, Decided to go to like CU, CSU, all the popular schools. I'm like, I want out of here. I want far away from people and problems. I just, I want, I want freedom. I want new. I want to start over. So I went to a school called Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona. And uh, that's where I found um, a lot of food and a lot of beer. And I learned how to party. I joined a sorority. And um, the joke with our sorority was is that the boys couldn't even pair up with us because um, they couldn't afford the alcohol that we would drink. We were AO pies. They called us AO piggies. Um, go figure, right? And um, that's the year that, um, oh, my gosh, I could have food anytime I wanted. It was wherever, whenever. And I didn't gain, like, the freshman 15. I gained the freshman 45. So from, December, or from August to December, I gained 45 pounds. And then I came home and everybody was like, oh, my God, what happened to you, right? Like, you blew up. And so I proceeded. I had, um, you know, uh, two, two weeks or whatever it was, three weeks, I don't even remember. And I would go out to the track every single day and I'd run and I'd run steps and I'd do whatever it took. And I took off um, all but 10 pounds. And I go back to school and everyone's like, oh, yeah, you look great, right? So, oh, wow, I can exercise and look good and now people are paying attention to me, right? It got, it got people's attention for the first time in my life. And, um, you know, and, and that was good. And I continued to do that. I continued to eat and I continued to exercise and eat and exercise and eat and exercise. In fact, I even worked at an athletic club for a long time. And you know what I loved? I loved anything in pill form or powder form that could help speed up my metabolism, that would help make me sweat, that would make me like this jumping jelly bean. And um, I didn't need that, but that's what, that's what I liked. I liked that feeling of being, like, jittery and all crazy. Um, and uh, so a after college, um, one year, I partied so hard and had so much fun, my dad gave me the option um, to come home. <laughs> that was the option, come home. <laughs> and so I came home and continued to live with my mom and dad while my sister went off to a prestigious college in the Midwest and um, – uh, continued to get all the praise and, and, and everything from my family. Um, you see, I could never, I could never do anything right in my family. I was the right brain kid that grew up in the left brain household. So everybody, I had a mom that was a, um, sorry, my alarm just went off. I had a, a mom who was a pediatrician. My mom's a pediatrician. My dad's an engineer and my sister was going to go to med school and I was just Jen. I was the artistic, wild, creative girl, um, you know, and nobody could understand me, and I couldn't relate into my family, let alone relate in with others in life. Um, so I came home. I dabbled in this. I dabbled in that. Um, I went to school downtown. I went to school um, at art school. Um, I never completed school, and I never finished. And uh, my kids always ask me, what did you get a degree in, Mom? I said, I got a degree in MRS. And they go, what's that? I said, Mrs., I married your dad, right? 
And that was the joke I had for the longest time. Um, because what happened for me is I could do no right. Um, there was all, I was always, my life was filled with shame. And with that shame, I ate and ate and ate. Um, and then I would exercise and exercise and exercise. And then um, I finally met this guy. And I was like, oh, my God. My parents loved him. My family loved him. Like, he completed life. And so I married him. And I remember the day, the two days before my wedding, I couldn't stand up off the couch. I was dizzy. I'm like, I don't want to marry him. This is all wrong. Da, da, da. My family's like, he's the best thing that ever happened to you. You've got to get married, Jenny. And I was like, okay, I just wanted to please my family. I was a people pleaser. And pleasing them was killing me. And they didn't know it. And I didn't even know that I was eating my way through life. So I dieted down to nothing to get into a wedding dress. And then after I got married, that's when it hit. It was like, now I'm in this house with this person and we're married and I'm doing life, right? And the pounds just started to go on and they started to go on. And about five years into marriage, uh, my, my uh, ex-husband, um, he said, I, this is what I want to do. I want to start having kids. And I go, okay. And he's like, so you need to lose some weight before you get pregnant. And I was like, oh, I think at that time I was like 100 and 100 and I was like 140 when I got married. I was 176. So we did this thing called Body for Life. And he's like, I'll do it with you. And I was like, oh, okay, that's great. So we did Body for Life. We ate this way of eating. Um, we exercised. I lost the weight. And as soon as I lost the weight and got to my goal weight, I was pregnant. And so um, that just affirmed to me that if I diet down and do these things, I'll get what I want. I'll get the love from my ex-husband. I'll get the love from my family. And now I'm going to get this beautiful son, right? And so I had my son, and, and um, it was crazy because um, I think I ate three bowls of cereal a day. My son loves cereal, and we joke about that. And, um, you know, I just I ate my way through my pregnancy. And I was um, 200 pounds when um, – so I went, I went from, like, one – 145 all the way to 200 pounds at the end of nine months. I was big as a house, but I got to hide my eating because I was pregnant and eating for two. And so that was really great. Well, then I have this baby and, um, you know, I don't, it's hard. If you've never had a child before, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but there's this new person that you're now in charge of and I've got to take care of this little being. And, um, it was scary. And then things started to pop up for me. I was um, rocking him in the nursery, and um, things started popping up. I, I had flashbacks of being abused as a child at age five, and that came up to the surface. I started going to counseling. Um, I had a hard time feeding him. Um, I just really struggled. I mean, I was so big at that time. I could stand there, and I couldn't even see my feet. My ex-husband, 6'5", and about 215 pounds, I was wearing his clothes because I couldn't fit anything in, into anything in my closet after I had my son. Um, all this craziness was going on in my life, and I finally was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So I, I just kept going to counseling thinking this is, this is going to work. This is going to work. And, uh, you know, um, it didn't. I was now up to 220 pounds, and I was the biggest I'd ever been. I was the most miserable I'd ever been. And uh, so, you know, my next door neighbor's like, let's try the South Beach diet. Okay, so we did the South Beach diet. She cooked every single dinner meal for us. All I had to do was breakfast and lunch, and she cooked every dinner, and we ate over there with them every single night. We lived next door to them for eight years. And, um, you know, it was, I just did it. I dieted, I exercised, I dieted. I remember uh, my ex-husband would say, if you want to go work out in the morning, I'll stay, with, I'll stay with our son and you can go work out. So I would get up and I would be there before the rec center even opened and I would be working out. See, he would do anything to help me get thin. 
because he grew up with two obese parents and the last thing he wanted was an obese wife. And that's just how I lived. I lived in shame and guilt for the size of my body and that made me not good enough. I wasn't smart enough with my family. I wasn't good enough with my husband. I just didn't measure up. And so, um, you know, it was just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, then I, I was married. Um, we were married, uh, I don't know how many years, five, six, seven, eight years. And all of a sudden I got pregnant again. We were so excited. Now we didn't know um, the sex with my first son, but I was like, please, 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 can we know the sex with the second one? He's like, okay, okay. So boy, yay. And my son comes from a long line of boys, 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 and boys. <laughs> so he was really excited. And um, I'm like, oh, another boy, because we're all girls, 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 and girls. And um, so I was like really excited. And it was a really good pregnancy. Like I didn't eat like I ate the first time because I didn't want I didn't want to get really, really fat again, right? And so I really watched what I ate. And then at 34 weeks, um, I woke up one morning. My son and I were there. My husband had gone to work. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I couldn't feel a heartbeat. I couldn't feel this baby move. And I was freaking out. And I called him at work. And, and his boss says, drink some orange juice. Go down and drink some orange juice. I did. Eat sugar. I was eating sugar. I could not get this baby to move go to the hospital, go to the doctor. They couldn't find a heartbeat. They put him on the ultrasound. There was no heartbeat at all. And life stood still. And the room stood still. And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And it was surreal. But God came down and just like comforted me. And I remember, I remember seeing the entire room, all the people, I can tell you where the TV was. And all I knew was that God was there just like he had been there for me all the time growing up in every little situation that I went through in counseling, I always saw God there. And um, it was really cool. And people came to the hospital and they held my son and we kept him in the room with us for three days. And the hardest thing was giving him over to the nurses and walking out of that building and saying goodbye to a life that I would never get to know. And um, so that's when uh, the rubber met the road, and then uh, I just continued to eat my way through life, right? Oh, yeah, just stuffing it, stuffing it, right? Because I didn't know how to communicate with my husband at the time. I didn't know. I didn't know how to talk to him. I didn't know how to share my feelings. Like, vulnerability, authenticity, what was that? Um, that, was, that was not who I was. I hid and stuffed and ate my way through life. I remember opening up a bag of M&Ms. I would turn around on the counter and they all be gone. And I would be like, there's no one else here but me. Where did they go? Right? So you just open up the next bag of M&Ms. Um, and that's just how life became for me. Just, just mindless eating. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and the hardest part was I had this three-year-old little boy who wanted a sibling so bad, Right. And um, so then I persisted to get on all these medical drugs and try and, and get pregnant. Um, in the meantime, we sold our house, moved to live with my parents for 10 months, and we're buying a house from his aunt and uncle. And talk about chaos and craziness. That's just what it was in my life. And I ate my way through it all. Um, and then um, we moved into our new house finally. Everything was going good. And then one day I just didn't feel good and I'm like, gosh, that's weird. I'm wondering why I'm not feeling good. And I missed my period and then I was like, oh, I found out I was pregnant again. And I was like, oh my gosh, was not expecting that at all because I had given up on all the drugs and everything. And um, I said, I want to know what it is. I want to know what it is. He says, absolutely not. We're not doing that again. 
So for nine months, I sat there with this human, little tiny human being being formed inside me, scared to death. I had nobody to talk to. Um, it was it was probably the, the craziest psychological nine months of my life. And uh, my daughter says to this day, I know why I'm so sweet, Mama. And I said, why? And she goes, because you ate a package of Skittles when, every day when I was in your tummy. And that's the truth. I consumed so much sugar while she was pregnant because all I wanted, all I wanted to know was that my baby was alive inside of me and kicking for nine months. And they tested me for gestational diabetes, oh, probably every single visit. And they were like, are you eating sugar? And I lied. No, I'm not eating sugar. And I lied. And I just, I couldn't tell anybody how fearful I was inside. Um, so uh, I uh, eventually had my daughter nine months later. Um, thank you, God. Some beautiful people came into my life. Um, and uh, I was able um, to deliver her. And um, she came into this world kicking and screaming. And, uh, and she was just beautiful and it was a girl and I was so excited, right? Cause I was a girl. I was like, I want a little girl. I never knew what I really wanted until she, until she was there. And, um, you know, we came home from the hospital a couple of days later and, uh, we were sitting there on the couch and, and, and my husband at the time looked at me and he said, I just wish she would have been a boy. And I lost it. I was like, oh my gosh, we've been given the biggest gift, this gift called life, and you want a boy. And that did it for me. That severed it. I was so angry and so pissed. And we never communicated about anything anyways. We always shoved stuff under the rug. So I thought, oh, okay. Well, that started um, just a downward spiral. And you talk about unmanageability. I didn't know what that was at the time, but my life was totally unmanageable. I was lying, cheating, and stealing while... I was working in the church, in women's ministry, um, running programs, serving in the church, trying to be this godly woman that I thought I needed to be in the eyes of everyone else, wearing all these masks. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I just, it was, it, was, it was crazy. My life was crazy and out of control, and I couldn't stop it. But I knew the one thing I could stop, and I could stop being married to him. So I filed for divorce. And I kicked him out of the house, and I said, I'm done. And uh, for nine months, he lived with his parents. And then nine months later, he came back to me and said, can we please just try this? You said in front of 300 people in a, in a church that um, for better or for worse. And I really thought about it. And my family begged and pleaded with me. So what am I doing again? Pleasing my family. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I tried to get, to get back together. We did uh, mediation and all this stuff. In the meantime, like I'm exercising as hard as I can just to, just to stay sane, right? I'm, I'm back to the exercise again. And um, it was just really crazy. Life was crazy for me. Um, and uh, so we eventually got divorced. Um, it, it, you know, we, we tried to get back together nine months, nine months out, nine months in, nine months out again, trying to sell a house. And then we were done. And I got to move into my new house with my kids all by myself. And I was never, ever going to have to deal with that again. But guess what? Life keeps on going, right? And um, I didn't have... Uh, a partner anymore, but I still had all the problems because the problem was me and I didn't know it. And so my life continued to spin out of control. And then I knew it was out of control one day when, um, you know, my kids couldn't go to bed early enough and, and uh, I couldn't get the food fast enough. And I was always, mom, where did that go? I don't know. We can always buy more. Like I just was buying stuff at the grocery store just to keep them quiet. And then one day I decided, um, 
you know, I, I'm going to do this exercise thing, and I'm going to do it good this time. I'm going to get really thin. So I started exercise, and people would ask me, oh, are you on the divorce diet? Like, just because you got divorced, now you're getting all skinny. And um, I said, no, I'm just working out, and life is good. I'm not stressed out anymore, and that's what I thought. And so I dieted down and dieted down, and I thought, I'm going to do, I worked out this gym, this MMA gym, and all these girls were in their 20s, and here I am, like 30-something, right, over 35, and they're doing this bikini competition, and I thought, oh, my God, I can do that, too. I can eat that tilapia, that rice, and three stalks of asparagus, and I can make this work. So I did it because I had something to prove, right? I'm always got something to prove to somebody. And so um, I dieted down. I got into this little teeny tiny rhinestone bikini and these three-inch clear glass slippers that made me feel like Cinderella up on a stage. But you want to know the interesting thing? My trainer would always say to me, I'm making you all your food, and I know what you're eating, and I'm watching you work out two times a week, two times a day, seven times a week. He's like, but I don't understand why you can't get these last, you know, like blah, blah, blah pounds off. Well, no kidding, like it's April, and it's Easter, and the Cadbury Bunny's out, and every time I'm going to the grocery store to get stuff for my kids, I'm popping in a few Cadbury eggs, and oh, guess what? They make these really small ones now, so they're like bite-sized, and they won't hurt my teeth, and they won't sting when I'm eating them, um, and I could just throw those down. I mean, I was, I was hiding it from him, too, and I, I, I hid it from everybody, um, and, uh, but that was crazy because when I remember, I went to Costa Rica the next week and gained, you know, 15 pounds of it back. Um, I, I, I want to tell you the funny thing. I'm the same exact weight as I was when I competed in that bikini competition, except for I'm healthy, maintaining a healthy body weight and body size, right? Thank God to this program. Um, and, uh, you know, things just spun out of control. And then I started restricting even more and more and more, shoving my finger down my throat. And because um, I thought it was beautiful and I started to get um, the praise from everybody and guys started to look at me and guys wanted to start dating me and I'm single now, right? Cause I'm divorced. And I thought, wow, this is the life. And um, you know, I continued to go out and date and funny as it may be, every single person I dated was an addict. <laughs> I can, I can spot them. I can on a, on a full um, football field or football stadium, I can spot them and pick them out. I just, that's, that's my gift. Um, and I continued to have more chaos and more craziness in my life. And then, um, you know, I was talking to my girlfriend one time and she just, she was, she was, she was that um, bright light and, and we would get together for coffee and I only saw her every so many months. I worked for her and her husband. Um, they basically kept me out of, um, you know, having, having to ask my parents to help support me for a long period of time. Um, they employed me. And uh, she was a beautiful woman. She was 5'9", um, and um, she was all of 87 pounds. She was my best friend from high school. And, um, you know, we would get together, and she would pray for me and um, just encourage me. And then one day she was gone. I got this phone call at work that she was found dead on her bathroom floor um, at age 42. And um, the scary part for me was I was headed in that same direction, right? I was going to die. And, and, and what, what was, how was I not going to die? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I sat in it for a year. And I continued to restrict. And I continued to compulsively exercise and get down to absolutely nothing, right? And then when I couldn't get down to absolutely nothing, there's this, this 
this women's hormone, HCG, that you can stick into your body, and it can just strip the pounds away. You only have to eat 500 calories. I mean, that's all you have to eat every single day. They tell you exactly what to eat. But you can be, like, super, super thin, and I would do that. I would not only do it one time a year, I do it two times a year, and the next year two more times. I did it four times in two years, and it was crazy, right? That's where my mind was at that time. And so then one day, um, a friend of mine posted on Facebook, and I say he's a friend of mine. It's so funny because we went to high school together, but I never knew him. But, you know, on Facebook, how you get reconnected. Oh, I went to high school with this person, that person. He posted that he is three years sober, and he posted this, like, you know, vomiting post about all of his, um, his life. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's so great. Like, I'm so happy for you. But I'm not addicted to alcohol. I'm not addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to food, restricting, binging. And I was like, I don't know what to do. So being the smart ass that I am, I texted him or I uh, private messaged him on Facebook. And I said, yeah, I love, I love your story, but it doesn't work for a girl like me. And he said, well, then maybe you should try Overeaters Anonymous. Oh, OA is what he said. And I go, what's OA? He goes, Google it. And that's all the information he gave me. So Miss Google Girl, I got onto Google and I Googled it. And I'm like, Overeaters Anonymous? I'm like, what is that? And uh, so I kept um, private messaging him back and forth. He goes, go try a meeting. So that Thursday, that was literally over the weekend probably, I think. And then that Thursday I went and I checked out an OA meeting and I went to a church. Um, and at the time that wasn't a good place for me because um, I had served in a church. I had been raised in a Catholic church. I wasn't really, I wasn't, God really wasn't present in my life because God had always failed me. And so I went to this church feeling uncomfortable. I'm going to this meeting and I walk in and there's like three people there. And I don't know what they're doing, but they're all chanting out of this book. And they're all sitting around, and it was really weird, right? It's like an alien. You're like landing on a planet and all these aliens around you. And they just said, keep coming back. Try a certain number of meetings. And I was like, okay. So I go back every Thursday, and then there was this girl in there, and I kind of liked her, and we kind of became friends, and we could talk. And um, I was working at a retirement community, and her parents were aging in their home, and she needed help. So I thought, oh, maybe that's why I'm here, you know? Of course, to help others again, not help myself. And so um, basically, I just um, kept going to those meetings. And then finally, I don't know what it was, but something clicked, something that they said, because it was a 12-step study out of the book of Overeaters Anonymous. And something clicked with me about sponsorship. And I was like, never heard anybody say they were a sponsor. They never talked about sponsorship. And the gal who was running the meeting, I said, you know, you guys talk about the sponsorship thing. Um, but I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, are you a sponsor? And she says, yeah, but I can't take anyone else on. You'll need to go to a bigger meeting to find one. So I looked on the directory again. I went to this bigger meeting, and I thought, okay, I'll go, but only after I go and work out. So I walked into this meeting late, and they, it was a large group of um, 40 to 60 people every Saturday, and they had broken out into small groups. So I walked into a small little group, and there was about six people. I sat down in my biking gear because I was late because it was more important for me to get my ride in than it was for me to get there on time. And this man um, sat across from me, and um, he read these um, nine-step promises. And I was like, wow, they're promising you something? Like, I had never seen this little blue book that he had. Um, and it was crazy. Um, and then um, what was even crazier is that not only did I not find a sponsor that day, I just was there looking, they're like, keep coming back. Um, I found a relationship instead. Oh boy, here we go. So I found a relationship 
instead of finding a sponsor, not in the rooms, but outside the rooms of a man who was recovered um, 12 years from um, alcoholic and narcotics. And he had all this knowledge and could tell me, yep, this is what you're, you're on the right path. You, you want to keep going to meetings and blah, 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 blah. And we dated and I thought, he's great. You know, I'm just going to listen to whatever he has to say. And the next thing I know, um, I go to a few more meetings. I found this woman. She's really great. She spoke like an angel. She sat next to me. I know she's the one. And he said, are you sure? So I went back the next day. I'm like, nope, it's this guy. I really want this guy to sponsor me. You can't have a male sponsor is what he told me. And I was like, why? I'm like, it's Overeaters Anonymous. I'm like, this guy is like, he's like my dad's age. Nope, can't have it. So I was like, okay, I'll take this other lady. So I took this other lady and I followed his direction. And um, she was a beautiful woman. Um, she took me through steps one through five and then was no longer able to sponsor me. And um, I, I just want to say, I want to say this part because um, we're all imperfect human beings in this program and we all do things differently. And that's why I prayed that prayer at the beginning is because um, I'm not responsible for anyone's life but my own, right? And I'm really not even in charge of my own life. That's, that's God. Um, but uh, this woman helped me to the best of her knowledge. Um, she sponsored me not only in OA, but I was going to Al-Anon too because here I was dating an, a recovered addict. And um, it, it, my life was still unmanageable and pretty scary trying to like figure this recovery thing out and, and trying to have a relationship with, with a recovered um, addict. And I didn't know what to do. And so, um, you know, I, I, I got through the steps. And let me, hear, let me tell you how I got through the steps. I would meet with her once a week. I would, call, I would, I never called her. I never picked up the phone. Um, met with her once a week, face to face meeting, and face to face with her. And we checked the boxes as we went down step one, step two, step three. Um, I knew about this blue book, um, but I never, I never knew it was the solution. I never saw the solution in the book. I never knew um, that the twelve steps were even in them. Um, it was just. That's just how, how, how I grew the first 11 months in program. But I thought I was doing it right because I kept coming to meetings and I kept picking up coins because I, I, I thought I was abstinent, right? I wasn't eating flour and sugar like I heard everybody else say. And that was the thing for me was I was like, I'm not eating flour and sugar. Heck no, I never ate flour and sugar because I was dieting down to nothing, right? Like I already had these great eating habits. And so um, – the hard part for me was um, when I got to that, after I gave her my fifth step, um, and it was a story that I had written out 45 pages, two sides each, that, um, you know, I was like, now what am I going to do? I've given you my story, and you can't sponsor me anymore. So I went back, and I sat in the rooms again, and um, this gentleman next to me shared, it was his eight-year birthday, and he shared his story about the bedevilments and how his life used to be crazy and how it wasn't anymore. And that um, I said, oh, my gosh, I was that same gentleman that I wanted to sponsor me when I first came to OA. And I said, I don't even care if it's going to piss my boyfriend off at this time. Like, I'm doing it. I am desperate to do it. So I asked him to sponsor me. And I told my boyfriend, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm sponsoring him. And this is the contract we have. And if things ever get funky, then I just have to say something and I'm out. But, you know, we had this agreement. And that's when I started opening up that blue, that blue book. And I called it the blue book forever. And um, the, the most interesting thing for me was um, that I didn't know what that blue book was. So that fall, I went to a retreat, right? I kept, kept going to meetings, kept working with this new sponsor. And he picked me up right where I had left off. Um, and, uh, you know, we went um, six, seven, eight, and nine. 
and I went to this um, retreat and uh, I heard this gentleman speak. He's like, you got to go see him. He's miraculous. He's lost all this weight and you just got to hear him share a story. So I went and I sat in the second row back and I took my notebook and my pens and this blue book and I went and I sat and I listened and I highlighted everything I heard him say in pink and I wrote down copious amounts of notes and I um, even, you know, I would drive up to this retreat every single day and drive home and, uh, you know, that's just what I did. I didn't engage with others. I didn't get to know people. I never got a single person's phone number. I was living isolated in this disease thinking that I could do it, right? And uh, I, heard, I heard him say things like um, allergy of the body and twist of the mind. And I'm like, gosh, that's so crazy. What is that? I've never heard that in a meeting before. And um, it started to resonate with me, um, but I didn't know what to do, right? And um, so I just put that big blue book on my nightstand with my notes, and I didn't touch it for quite a while. And then my sponsor says, let's get out and let's read. Let's start reading from the beginning of the book. It's called The Doctor's Opinion. I'm like, The Doctor's Opinion? Some doctor has an opinion on me? And uh, that's when I heard the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind again. And I was like, oh. And they're like, this is a disease. I'm like, I have a disease? And I eat these allergic foods I'm allergic to and they cause this reaction I'm like oh my gosh so it's mind-boggling and mind-blowing and so I started to do this work and I started to listen and I started to dive in deeper and deeper and then into the into the blue book and um, you know then um, one day um, my boyfriend calls me up and he says oh by the way he's like I'm done suiting up and showing up like he even used program language and he says um I'm not interested in dating you anymore. Like out of the blue, we had just gone to Cancun for a week. And I go, what? I was like, okay, I have the kids. Let's talk about this tomorrow. There's nothing to talk about, Jen. I'm done. And I was like, oh, crap. And the bottom of the box fell out for me, right? Just disintegrated and fell out. And I was like, what am I going to do? I didn't know how to do anything. Like I'm still stuck in, I'm just finishing five, six. I'm like, ah, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? And, uh, you know, um, four weeks later, the buildup of human emotions, what I hear all the time being reiterated over and over again, those emotions build up. And there was Jen. I was back in my car driving from convenience store to convenience store, just one convenience store to the next to the next on a way to a hair appointment. And um, the wrappers would build up in the front seat. And then finally, um, after leaving my hair appointment and driving home, three more convenience stores, I ended up in a dark parking lot. And there was wrappers on one side of the, of the car in the seat. And there was vomit outside the other side of the door. And I was in tears. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And I picked up the phone and I called my sponsor. And I said, help. And he says, I'm so glad you called. And I said, what am I supposed to do? He goes, get to a meeting tomorrow. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I was like, I'm willing to do whatever you say. So I looked on the, on the sheet, and there were not any OA meetings tomorrow, right? Not until, like, I don't know when. So I, uh, I decided I'm, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I'm out of ideas, and I can't keep living like this. And uh, so I decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead, and I'm going to go to this meeting. So I started attending an Alcoholics Anonymous big book meeting Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. I hated everyone in that room, and I hated myself with the first day I walked in. Um, I went for 120 days. I read how it works with this, this group of people. And there was only like four or five or six people at the very most in the morning, because I don't know about any, any of you, but no one gets up at 6.30 to recover, right? And, and you'll laugh, because that's not the story for me today. 
But um, I, I began to see um, wh- what was going on. And they made me talk. They're like, who are you? I'm like, uh, uh, I'm an addict. And that's all I could say because my share didn't pertain to alcohol. They didn't care. They were just there to say, we're here to be of service to anyone. And so they let me share. And I learned the 12 and 12. I learned the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I want to tell you this too. My sponsor continued to sponsor me right where I was. Today, he says to me, I don't know that I would have done that. I might have taken you back to step one, but that's just where God directed him at the time. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things about my program that aren't perfect, but you know what? I'm not perfect either, and life isn't perfect. And so, um, yeah, I continued to go to that meeting, and then that July, I started, uh, I, I, I got a roommate, and we were going to go to a retreat, and we were driving in her car, and uh, she told me about this this line that I could call in, and there was meetings and all that stuff. I said, oh, that's great. You know, uh, we can talk about it later. And then all of a sudden, her car overheated. We're on the side of the road. And she's like, great, we have all the time in the world to talk about this thing called a vision for you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so we did. And that's when I was first introduced um, to this meeting, a vision for you. And, um, uh, you know, just to the resources. And um, it's just it's so amazing. I love it. And uh, I didn't need a vision for you right away because I was still going to that big book meeting um, in the mornings. But eventually my kids had to go back to school, and then that's when I needed it. And so, you know, I'm just going to fast forward a little bit. Um, God is continuing um, to grow me in this program. Um, you know, I, I – well, I can't skip this part. Is that, um, you know, we went up to Estes Park for this retreat, and I was making my amends. Um, I was on 9. I had started um, 10 and 11. And um, things were just different for me, right? I, I had 60 days of entire abstinence under my belt. And um, I was like, wow, things are just totally different. And I sat there at this AA Al-Anon um, convention called FOTS Fellowship of the Spirit in, in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. And uh, the Spirit of God came down and transformed my heart. I fell in love with God all over again. And there was this new burning desire in my heart. I now looked at this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous as um, the guide for my life. And this is how I was going to do the work. And this is how I was going to stay out of the food. And um, I was just like, oh, my God, these are precise instructions if I just follow them. And uh, it was really beautiful, really, really beautiful. Um, came home from that, and I sat at a meeting um, right afterwards. I went to a meeting after a whole weekend of retreat fellowship, and on the table, it talked about this, uh, that we need to carry the message to the still-suffering still compulsive overeater. And I thought, okay, God, if that's what you're telling me, after I just come home, like, totally hot off the coals from this retreat, that's what I'm going to do. And since then, I have never stopped. Um, that step 12 is absolutely beautiful, right? Because... Um, it's just, it's, it's serving others. It's serving God um, first and then God's kids. And um, there's no better way to live this program, right? Because all of the people um, that came in, into my life and have touched me, have spoken to me on the phones in meetings, um, they are just truly, um, they are just truly, truly the teachers in my life. You see, I come every day to this meeting called A Vision for You. And I take a seat in this classroom, and um, I'm a student, right? Like, I'm learning. Like, I got my big book dictionary. I got my big book 12 and 12 dictionary. I've got my highlighters out. I marked it up. Like, I am learning. I am soaking this, soaking this knowledge in. But at the same time, the most beautiful thing that's happened to me in this program is that God is transforming my heart. 
you know, because I was like this ugly caterpillar going along the road of life, bump after bump, in the dirt, miserable, right? And all I could see was that this ant, this big, strong ant, was strong and courageous and was building and doing things in the community, but I was just this caterpillar. And then the snail, it was so beautiful and had this gorgeous snail and this house, right? And I was like, oh my God, I want that. Like, I want to have a house and I want to have all these things. I wanted stuff, right? And then there's this beautiful ladybug. This was the girl who had everything who was just gorgeous. And here's me, this lonely caterpillar. And I kept always saying, God, my whole life, why? Why me? How come I can't be just like them? Right? I want to be just like them. And he would be like, Jennifer Marie, I am giving you a heart just like mine. And that's where I truly feel like the transformation occurred in this program is God kept telling me, you don't need to be like that person or this person or whomever. He's like, I have you exactly where I want you. And I am going to give you a heart just like mine. And so, you know what? Eventually that, that caterpillar hangs upside down by the tree because it's told, it's given instruction. You're going to hang upside down. How crazy is that? And then you're covered in this darkness, right? But within the darkness, once that caterpillar starts wiggling and giggling, caterpillar breaks free from the cocoon and emerges out to be a beautiful butterfly. And that's just the journey that God's taken me on um, in this program, is that he's continuing to teach me, love me where I'm at, um, and all the people in program that do it. And today I fly free. I I fly free from this addiction. I no longer compulsive overeat. I no longer restrict. Um, I no longer binge. I haven't stuck a toothbrush down my throat in, I don't even know how many months I stopped counting. And that's the biggest freedom and the biggest joy from the food and the obsession, right? But um, my life has changed. I have new relationships with my ex-husband, um, with my family, with my coworkers, Um and so, Melanie, I don't know where I am on time, but you have all the time that you want, you need. <laughs> <laughs> the gift of gab. Okay. Um, so I want to take I want to take you to today and what today looks like for me. Um, going through this program, I had um, a sponsor. He said to me, um, he goes, you know, are you willing to go to any lengths, and then are you willing to give it away? And I said, yes. And um, so um, I remember going to this program and coming home, and, and, and it's, it's a practice um, with my sponsor in the tribe that I work in that we put pen to paper and that we do this resentment and fear inventory back-to-back and that we put it down on paper. And um, I remember doing, like, I'm not kidding you, um, five to six a week. Like, I would come home from work, I'd be exhausted, and all I would be doing was inventory, 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 Right. And I was like, gosh, more homework, more homework, more homework. But I listened. I listened to the person that was guiding me. And I listened to that person direct me. And I saw things change in my life, right? And so today, um, I can honestly say that I was laughing about it because I'm like, wow, things are going really good in my life. Work is good. Um, And don't think there haven't been road bumps. I mean, a lot of road bumps. Um, During this process, I totaled my car. Um, I almost lost my job. Um, um, so God's taken me through all sorts of amazing, um, things, even in program, going through program, um, and gotten me out on the other side. And, um, 
it's a total transformation. And like my coworkers go, we don't even know who you are. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a different person. But, but the biggest thing for me today is doing this work is not easy. Um, you know, people say, stay in 10, 11, and 12. I'm like, ugh. And, and I don't go, ugh, because it's, because I don't want to do it. I go, ugh, because it's like, I am constantly in 1 through 12 every single day, right? 10, 11, and 12 is where I sit and maintain fit spiritual condition. I continue and improve and in practice um, my connection with my higher power and, and, and walking in this journey. And um, for me, um, you know, when, when I was asked and given the opportunity to speak today, um, you know, life had been good. Life was easy. Like I wasn't doing, I was doing maybe a, an inventory every once in a while. Um, I, my sponsor's like, I don't think we need to meet as, as much. And then um, the rubber met the road <laughs> and um, stuff started to pop up for me. And one of those things, um, one of those things for me was um, I, I ride my bike every, every Saturday or Sunday morning when I listen to special edition, I just gotten off my bike and um, my ex-husband called me and says, he goes, we need to talk. Do you have a minute? And I said, yeah. And he goes, so we're supposed to meet today because my son is 16 and he's got a car now and he just started um, experimenting with things. He started vaping. And so um, his dad had found um, some paraphernalia from vaping and, you know, we kind of asked him the why and blah, blah, blah. And I knew he'd been doing it for months, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in control of him. Um, and uh, so I said, uh, Oh, and he, and he didn't want to come clean. He didn't want to be honest. And I was like, I know what it, what it feels like to force honesty, right? So, um, you know, this last week, um, two week or two, a couple of weeks ago, uh, his dad called and said, yeah, so the boys were down in the basement, da, 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 and he gives me the whole story. And he's like, they were smoking in my basement. And I go, oh, what'd you do? And he goes, no, I didn't do anything. I felt like I was just given the gift of awareness. And um, I went out and... Um, I saw the kids in the basement uh, through the, through the, through the vent and through the window. And he goes, but later that night I went back and saw him smoking. And I said, Oh, that's such a bummer. And there was five kids there. And he goes, I let them sleep the night. They spent the night there. And then he's like, I figured we'd just talk today. He goes, but there's something else. I said, what's that? He goes, I found all this um, paraphernalia in his car, marijuana pipes. It's all this new marijuana stuff they have and the THC level. And it is through the roof. Like it's crazy. Um, it's really scary. Um, they don't have any records of anybody dying, but you have to remember, I live in the state of Colorado, like this, this stuff is legal. And, um, so anyways, I said, oh, okay. And I was just a taken back. I didn't know what to do. And he goes, but you know what? I got it all figured out. I've been up all night pacing the floor. And I said, okay. He's like, I have, I, I know what, what the punishment should be. And he goes, may I tell you, and God gave me this amazing ability to say, I would really appreciate it if we could just pause right here. If I could go home and pray and meditate first, and if we could reconnect later and, and come together and, and come up with some type of consequence. I called it a consequence. And um, I just want you to know, um, I didn't have a good relationship with my ex-husband prior to this program. Um, um, I hated him. He hated me. We yelled. We belittled. We berated each other. Um, and he said, sure, that sounds great. He's like, call me later this afternoon. And I drove off in my car and I went home and I got really quiet. And it's because of what I've learned in this program that I get to put this in, into, into practice, right? I've sat in the classrooms of retreats and I've heard on the lines and I've listened to these special editions 
Like, what is my choice to be right now, right? And so I just said, God, I need to get quiet with you, and I need to get quiet quick. And so I put on the meditation music that I have, the water in the background, um, and I laid there, and I closed my eyes, and um, I travel down the stream of unconsciousness, and I stand at first at the, at the outer bank, on the outer shore of whatever this water is. And um, these hands come up as a boat, and they, and they surround me, and they hold me, and they carry me down this water on the stream of unconsciousness. And um, I got in, and all of a sudden, um, the most surreal thing happened to me. Um, not only was I in the boat, but then God placed my kids in there. And I was like, wow, safe and protected, right? Like my kids are safe and protected. God showed me. And I'm not telling you that this happens to me every day in prayer meditation. Get me right, right? Some days I'm just like doing my laundry list or my to-do list. But I was present with God. And he was like, let me show you that I am here for you, Jennifer. And he put my kids in the boat with me and the tears started running down my face. And then the uncontrollable sobbing started to begin, right? And here I am connecting with this higher power because I don't know what to do. I'm coming to God for guidance, right? Teach me what I'm supposed to do with my kids. Help me because I, you know, the, what, I wanted, what I want to do or what my ex-husband wants to do might not be the path that you designed for them or want for them. And so... I traveled down the stream, and when I got to the end, I was peaceful, and I was breathing. And I sat up, and I knelt by the side of my bed, and I prayed a prayer. I wrote it out of my journal, and then I turned the page, and I started writing the consequence straight from God, not from me. And I called my ex-husband back a couple hours later, and I said, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about um, what the consequence should be. And he goes, you know what? Why don't you go first? Okay, just so you know, like, that never happens. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. And so I went first, and he said, I said, I wrote it all down so I, I can be clear and, and concise. I don't want to get wonky. And he goes, okay. And I wrote it all down, and he goes, that's exactly what I have on my piece of paper. Wow. That's God working in my life. And you know what? It hasn't been easy with my son, but I know that he's got a mama, and she's in recovery, and she is doing this thing. And um, a friend of mine in program says, the best thing you can do right now for your son is continue to recover, recover, recover. And I said, okay. And then that afternoon, my son texted me. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to meet. Um, his bonus mom, his dad, and I were all supposed to meet together. And um, the next thing I know is that he's sending me this text message. And um, I'm going to pull it up because I will totally butcher it. Um, he says, uh, Hey, I feel like quite a bit lost right now, and I need some direction. So I want to start coming to meetings with you because I'm tired of trying to tell myself I can do everything when I can't. I want to hear how people's lives have been transformed through your program. And uh, I thought, what? This is crazy. And um, he came to the table with all of us, and he... Uh, he was honest, and he was open. It took a little while. We were there for two and a half hours. <laughs> but um, he was honest, and he was open. And his dad says, well, you're going to start doing this, 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 and this. And he's like, can I just go to meetings with mom? And uh, so I didn't know what to do. So, again, I, I, I prayed about it after we left there, and I called my Ebby, you know, my Facebook guy, and I said, what am I going to do? 
what should I do? I don't know why I thought to reach out to him, except for that God directed me straight back to him again. He goes, take him to Alateen. Let him go to Alateen. And he's been to Alateen, and he loves it. And he's um, got this journal, <laughs> and he's journaling. And he met with um, his dad and I last week. And he sat there and cried and um, just opened his soul and talked about the first step and how he is powerless and um, that his life is unmanageable. I'm telling you guys, it took me 11 months to even understand that first, that first step, right? Um, and then today, sometimes I still don't even get it. And here's a 16-year-old. And, uh, you know, he just said, I, I need something bigger than me. And so guess who's teaching me today? My kid. My kid's teaching me, right? And God's got him. And I don't have to worry about it. I just have to keep turning it over to God every single day. Same with my daughter. You know, hey, mom, I want to bake this cake. And, da, 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 and she's with her dad this weekend. And I go, oh, do you want me to come get you? Do you want me to help bake it? And I'm like, I don't need to control her either. Let her just experience life. So anyways, um, um, I could go on and on giving you, like, just examples one after another about how, um, you know, life is in session for me all the time. And, um I am never surprised who teaches me, um, but I'm always grateful and I'm always thankful for the people who have taught me in this program who continue to teach me if I'm, if I'm willing and open. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Thank you very much. You really gave so much of yourself today and I just really appreciate your presentation. We'll ask Jen for her contact information at the conclusion of the meeting today, so hang on for that. But now we get to open up the lines for those that are interested in asking Jen a question about her presentation today, and that topic absolutely was preciously demonstrated today. Life is in session, folks. Who will be my teacher? Who happens to have questions this morning for Jen? I do. I want to get the I do, and I bet that was the same one from Georgia. Maria, get a second. Thanks. What was your name, madam, from Georgia? Glow. Glow. Yes, I got from Marie J. Who else? Allison E. The rest of you can. If the rest of you can press star one on your phone keypad, then I'll be able to hear Zakia and whoever comes after Zakia. Star one. Ginger C. Hey, Ginger C. Good morning. Anyone else with a question this morning? That sounds like we got you. That's great. Thank you. So I hear Glow. Is that Gloria M? And then yes, ma'am. Excellent. I thought maybe. And then Allison E, Zakia, and Ginger C. Good morning, Gloria. Go ahead with your question for. Oh. Oh, I listen. My my uh, my greetings for you all. Power of love to everybody, and great abstinent day. Thank you so much for your service. I am hearing this uh, phrase restricting, and I don't understand that. It sounds like somebody eating in moderation. I I need uh, uh, somebody to explain to me so much. And uh, God grant us all serenity today. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, uh, your service. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. And I'll pass. 
Thanks, Gloria. So um, I just want to reiterate, was the question that you had, um, you want to know what restriction is? I, yes, ma'am. Okay. It sounds like you're eating in moderation instead of weighing and measuring and blah, 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 all this stuff. I, I, I'm not acquainted with that word. I have just begun to hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you for your question. Um, I don't know that we hear uh, restricting over the line a lot because it's titled compulsive overeaters, right? We're compulsive overeaters and overeaters anonymous. And so restricting for me, um, not only at one point in time in my life was I a compulsive overeater and I ate compulsively. Like I just, I, when I picked it up, I couldn't put it down and I couldn't stop, right? So for me, that was the compulsive overeating side. Then the twist in my mind was that I now started, instead of doing that, I was restricting. So I wasn't eating. So restricting for me is not a part of the program. It's a part of the disease. Um, it was a part of the disease where I would tell myself that in order for me not to gain weight anymore and to not to be fat, I was just going to eat an apple a day. I was only going to eat um, protein. I was not going to eat any carbohydrates. That was restricting for me. I would tell myself, this is what I was going to do, and I would stick to it. So that's what restricting um, was for me in my program. I hope that answers your question. Yes, ma'am, it does. Thank you so much, and thanks again for your service. You're welcome, Thank you, Gloria. Gloria. Marie J., your question for Jen. Who did you call? Marie J. Oh, hi. Thanks. Sorry, I was unmuting. This is Marie J. from uh, Colorado, and um, thank you all for your service. Jen, thank you. I'm so, I'm so grateful to be on this path with you here in Colorado, and I love you. Um, I wonder if you would talk a little bit more about um, your daily maintenance of your spiritual condition, and how do you stay? I hear all the time um, people lose that connection with God, and you had said in your talk how you know, God had let you down. And how is it now, because this is a spiritual program and you clearly have this powerful connection to God, how do you continue to maintain that and carry that through? Your, you know, what's your daily maintenance? Can you share a little more about that? Sure. Thanks, Marie J. I'm blessed to know you too, sister. So um, my experience with um, <laughs> this 10, 11, and 12, this daily maintenance, right, is that I have to continue, improve, and practice, right? That's 10, 11, and 12. So um, as things crop up for me during the day, um, I have to see, okay, what's my part? And um, am I trying to run the show? Um, and when I do that um, and I begin to see myself um, go back into self-will, which is a daily struggle, right, even though I'm recovered, um, I have this process um, that I put pen to paper and I do inventory. Um, I will then, um, you know, if it's a coworker who's, um, you know, done me wrong at work again, um, I'm putting down, I'm resentful at what the cause is, how it affected me, praying that sick man's prayer, um, and then realizing what are my wrongs, um, and then figuring out that fear, um, why I have that fear, how self-reliance has failed me, and then how would God have me be, and then praying and asking God to remove the defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to others, right, and then pray how he would want me to be. So that's, that's continuing. And then um, 
continuing and improving, right? I have to improve my connection with God. And here's why I love, I love this program is that, and I love this line, especially um, this meeting of, of vision for you is because I didn't know what that looked like. Like I sat in the rooms for a long time over a year and, and trust me, I'm just, I'm just in my, my girlfriend and I joke, I'm just in second grade, like two years into this program, right? I'm a second grader. And, uh, and, uh, and I had to listen to people at retreats, on the lines, in podcasts. What do you do? How do you pray and meditate? Because prayer for me before was a laundry list. It was like I, was, I would give this laundry list to God, and I would use God. God was my bitch. That's how I did it in this program. And today it's so much different. Prayer for me is giving thanks and gratitude um, and meditation is allowing myself to be still in the silence to hear God's voice. Um, and I don't always audibly hear, like I just spoke about, you know, the boat and my kids in that, in, in that meditation. And for me, I had to figure out what that was. People shared, like, I listen to this guided meditation. I do this or that. So I just started experimenting and trying. And then I finally got to the point where I just found something that fit and that worked and that felt really good. It was just, it just happened organically, right? And so um, today, you know, I, I, I have, I, I don't, I get out of bed, um, you know, I, uh, I, I've I probably already said the third step prayer in my head a couple of times. I mean, it's just become like routine for me in a way. Um, I pray and meditate um, and then I go about my day, right? And then sometimes I get in my car and, and I'll, I'll flip to a page in the big book and I'll use the divorce prayer, right? And I pray that for the day or I call someone and I'll leave it on their answering machine. I mean, I just do all sorts of stuff. Just whatever God's telling me to do. I think that's what for me has been really big is not forcing something that's so mandatory and mandate because I grew up in the church, right? So it's like you will do things a certain way. You stand up, you sit down, you pray this prayer. For me, it's an organic process. God brings me to the prayer when I need to be brought to it. Um, like with struggling with my son just these last few weeks, a girlfriend and program um, that I connect with um, via Voxer in California, she sent me um, – this prayer that I can pray for my kids and their friendships, like that just came from out of the blue. And so I've been praying that now, like it's, it's an organic process, but I want to keep in conscious contact with God. Um, so praying is, is definitely important. And then um, practice is, um, you know, uh, step 12 says I've had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And I'm going to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all my affairs. And so what does that look like for me? Um, that looks like being of service, um, working on a committee with others. Um, it looks like starting um, a face-to-face -face meeting here in Colorado and, and showing up every week and reading the big book and sharing, um, you know, this allergy of the body and the twist of the mind with people and just sharing my experience, strength, and hope. Um, it, it means picking up my phone and talking to people when they call. And it makes it for me calling others too. And so I'm constantly um, learning and being taught um, through, through uh, this 12 step. And um, I just, I think it's, it was so impressed on me after I came back from that convention and had this big, I fell in love with God, the disco ball dropped and oh my gosh, I never knew life could be this beautiful. And I don't ever want that to stop. So, um, you know, uh, practicing these principles in all my affairs, that looks like having a conversation with my ex-husband. That means going to work and showing up and being of service to God and God's kids every single day, right? 
So, um, you know, I, I, I try not to put a definitive line on anything. I do uh, follow um, the instructions as they're laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and, and, and basically, um, I, have, I have this big um, thing that I tell myself. Um, it's called ask, because God wants me to constantly ask him. And so what I do is the word ask, um, uh, in this program, God gives me an, an, the awareness, awareness that something is not right. And um, so that's the A. And then the S for me is he says to me, I've given you this awareness. Now, will you seek me and surrender your will in this area over to me? Because the K stands for me is the knowledge to carry that out, right? And so that's what I'm constantly doing is listening. Um, and then when um, I hear something and I'm aware of something, I'm asking God, um, to do those things. And um, I'll tell you, it's beautiful. And and when I don't, eh, it's not so pretty. I get in a lot of self-will. And that's my sponsor's favorite thing to say to me on Saturday morning we meet. I sit down, I start talking, he goes, self-will. And I go, oh, man, again? Yep, again, great, I'm human. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's an organic process. Um, but like I said, listening to people, um, share their experience, strength, and hope, and um, what I've heard in, in, on the lines here in Vision and all of the different podcasts that I've listened to, the special edition, um, have, have shaped kind of the way I've done it. But there's, you know, I, I don't try and be too rigid about it. I just follow um, 10, 11, and 12 as it's in the book. And, and then I let go and I let God do whatever he wants with me. So I hope that helps. Thank you for the question, Marie J. Allison E., your question, and Zakia will come after you. Your question for Jen, Allison. Hi, good morning. <clears throat> Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Allison e from New York. And I just have to say that that was the exact same question that I actually had for you about your daily maintenance and your routine. But I also was wondering, would you be able to share that prayer that you said in the morning, that you said in the beginning of the meeting? Oh, yeah, I definitely will, we Allison. Um, if, if you get my contact information at the end, yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy to share it with you, um, and I'll tell my sponsor that you liked it because he's the one that wrote it for me. Yeah, he writes, no, I what, didn't like it. Yeah, contact me after the meeting. I would, I would love to share that with you. Okay, and thank you. Thank you for teaching me this morning. <clears throat> my pleasure. Have a good day. You too. Thank you, Allison E. Zakia J., your question, please, and then Ginger will come after you. Yes, thank you so much. Very simple. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Jen. That was awesome. It was just so complete question. Um, where did you get the big book dictionary, and is is it possible that I could get it online? Like I can pull it up. That would be great if I could put like put use it as an app. The big book dictionary. Yeah, so definitely get my phone number after the meeting, and I would be happy to send you to whatever. I don't know. There's probably like a website or whatever on the back. I got it at my face-to-face -face, um, AA meeting that I attend um, because they talked about boiled like an owl, and I'm like, what is that? And I didn't know, and I'm like the Google girl, so I wanted to know, so I get it. And it helps me dive deeper um, into the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and understand this 1930s um, you know, this 1930s verbiage that they're talking about sometimes or how the words were described then. So I'd be happy um, um, to share that with you. That's, that's part of class, right? Class is in session. I need to have all my tools, and those are really great tools um, to use. So I'd be happy to do that for you. 
Yes, and the other question, the step one prayer, that's also part of the AA. I know I've pulled up uh, AA, and I did see a step one prayer. Is that the one you're referring to? Uh, no, the, the prayer that I prayed this morning was a prayer that my sponsor wrote to me, um, gave me um, yesterday when I met with him. Um, it's my contract with God today when I'm speaking with other people in programs. So it's something that was just, that was just made up um, okay. um, through, through, through my sponsor by God. So, um, yeah, I'll, I can ch- chat with you about that offline too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for answering me. And thank you, Melanie, for calling me. I pass. Thank you, Zakia. That's Zakia J. Ginger C., your question for Jen. Hi. Good morning, Mel. Thanks so much for your service this morning. And good morning, Jennifer. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Um, Thank you for your beautiful service and your Mm -hmm. amazing heart. Um, Life is in session, Jen, and why don't you stop? And that's my question. Mm. God, I love you. <laughs> um, why don't I stop? Uh, somebody else didn't stop and somebody carried the message to me. And that was you, Ginger. So, um, you know, it's really amazing. Ooh, I'm going to try to keep it together. Um, I don't stop because I've never, ever experienced anything this good. And somebody came, you, and sat in a meeting across from me, a face-to-face meeting. You drew, drove 45 minutes to come to my home group. And you sat across from me, and I heard what I needed to hear at the time, right, in this process of recovery. And uh, now I get to hear it on the lines all the time. But it's so important for me to keep carrying the message, carrying the message, go back out to those face-to-face meetings, start new face-to-face meetings, serve, 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 right, and just share my experience, strength, and hope. That's all I can do. Um, And and the reason I don't do it is because uh, I don't stop is because – I don't ever want to be in that dark, lonely place ever, ever again. What I'm experiencing is something so wonderful and so amazing. Um, I can't even begin to tell you. And it's my favorite, um, it's my favorite promise on page 100 of the, of, of the big book. It says, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were even better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you'll presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance. Um, I can honestly say that um, that is like, I mean, I'm a girl, like hope floats, right? I got the balloons. I'm, I'm all for the party um, and, and the good times, but I have just seen the amazing amazing transformation of my heart and my soul from working these 12 steps. I don't know about you, but I didn't come in here to be transformed and for my heart to be changed. I came in here because I didn't want to die, right? I didn't want to die like my best friend and leave my kids without a mom. That's why I came in here. I never knew that what was going to happen was the surgery on my soul and that I was going to be transformed, right, by something bigger than me. Never saw that. Never saw that coming. And I don't ever want to go back to the way it was. And so I'll continue and improve and practice, um, lean into God, and um, just yep, keep doing it one more day. Thanks, Ginger, for your question. Thank you, Ginger C., for that question, too. Who else would like to have a time to be able to ask I, Jen A. a question this question. morning? I have yes, a question. your name, please. 
Melinda. Your name, please. Hi, Melinda. Melinda. Anyone else? A question for Jen. This will be our last call for today. Carrie S. Hey, My Carrie. name is Catherine C. Catherine C. Pete B. I heard Kathy and then Pete. Is it Kathy G? Thank you. Okay, and then Pete B. Anyone else? This will be our last call for today for questions. Russ M. Hey, Russ. Stop did, you get, did you get Carrie S? I did. Thank you. New York. Right Thank you. Who, who in New York? Mary Lee, R in oh, Oregon. Okay, good. Gotcha. Thanks. Okay, that sounds like a good list then. Let's go with this one. I have Melinda H. first, and then you, Carrie S., Catherine, Kathy G., Pete B., and Russ M., and Mary Lee R. Go ahead with your question, Melinda. Good morning to you. Thank you. Can I? Can you hear me? I can. Thanks. Oh, okay, thanks. Um, so have you ever had a problem helping others all day? and then eating because you haven't taken care of yourself during the day? Oh, that's a good question. So um, I, I can honestly say that um, when I was still eating my alcoholic foods and I was not abstinent, I wasn't working with others. I was still isolating myself. Um, I only started working with others, which is um, uh, step 12, um, when my sponsor told me that I was ready. Um, so, um, yeah, so I just, I don't, I mean, if, when I was, when I was in the food, I wasn't even interested in helping others. Um, I wasn't even interested in, in, in helping others cause I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know where I was. I wasn't helped. I was struggling myself. So I hope that answers your question. If not, you want to clarify that'd be great. Yes. Um, yeah. So what I'm talking about is. I'm I'm helping other people all day, every day, but then at the end of the day, I I don't know what happens. Um, there's something that happens, and I start eating. I get I guess it's self pity. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Um. What I might suggest is what I I suggested um to sponsees that I've worked with before is that um work with your sponsor. And just go back and see, um, you know, it's a it may, it's a behavior maybe. I don't know. Um, it sounds to me like um, uh, it's a behavior. Like I'm exhausted at the end of the day, and so I'm picking up food. But if I'm truly absent, I'm eating off my. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm, I'm truly following a food plan, um, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat when I'm done at the end of the day. So. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would check in with your sponsor and um, get direction and, and guidance from them if they've been walking you through this far. Thank you, Melinda H, for your question. Carrie S, your question, and Catherine C will come after you. Hey, this is Carrie S. Um, thank you for sharing today. I've learned a lot. Um, I've got two questions. One, how is your uh, relationship with your family you talked about being so different from them your home family how has that improved with your program and then two um, I hear people talking about applying the 12 steps to other life problems and I'm kind of having a problem at work today and I was like wondering if I could pray that first step prayer 
um, admitted to God that I was powerless over my work and um, that life can become unmanageable. What suggestions do you have about applying the 12 steps to other issues? Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Carrie, for your question. Um, so my family. Um, so remember I told you I was never good enough. I couldn't do anything right. I was always, I was like the black sheep of the family, right? Um, today it's a totally different story. Um, I have an amazing relationship with my mom and dad. And um, it'll, it'll take everything in me not to cry. Um, my dad and I had no relationship growing up. Um, and that was part of the problem is, you know, that's why I sought out the affection of other men because I wasn't getting it from my father. Um, after the loss of my son, um, my family, um, my family, a lot of my family members um, dug deeper into finding God. And today I can honestly say that my parents have a beautiful relationship with their creator in a way that I've never seen before. And they carry that out through us kids. And um, so for me today, I remember used to, I mean, I couldn't go clothes shopping with my mom. I couldn't do anything with my mom. Today, like I, my mom and I just love each other. Like it's beautiful. It's just, it's a miracle of this program, right? I remember having to make amends to my mom or not having to, getting to make amends to my mom in the front seat of her car. I'm like, hey, mom, can I meet you before you go to work out and blah, blah, blah. She's like, sure, honey. And I made amends with her. And, uh, you know, I don't even think she let me get halfway through my amends. And she looked at me and she said, you know what, Jennifer Marie? She's like, we had so, we so failed you as parents. And she's like, we did the best we could. But, you know, she's like, the woman that you are today is so beautiful. And um, it was a healing moment for my mom and I because, um, you know, she's human too and imperfect. And that's what I get from this program, right? Like, we are all sick, whether you're an addict or not, whether you're in a 12-step program or not. That's a sick man too. And so, God, help me be loving and tolerant and let me show pity and patience on that person, right? That person doesn't have to be just in a 12-step program or an addict. To, for me to, to see that they're sick, right? And so today it's so beautiful because my mom, we're having a big picnic today, a big birthday family picnic. She's like, I've got the whole veggie tray for you. And there's nothing that my family won't do to provide food and do whatever I need. I mean, sometimes they go over the top and I'm like, you guys, it's okay. It's okay. I'll just bring my own food. No, we want to provide it for you. Like my mom was, my mom's willing to go to any lengths um, to see me. And she really doesn't even know that much about my program. She just knows that I go to a 12 step program called Overeaters Anonymous. And that's all she knows, but she sees a transformation on, in the outward appearance and how I live life today. Um, and then the 12 steps, how do I incorporate the 12 steps in everything that I do? You know what? <laughs> the 12 steps is in everything that I do. There's no other way to do it. It's in my work. It's in my relationships with my family. It's in my relationships with my kids. It's in the relationship with the guy at the grocery store, you know, the grocery store clerk. Um, the 12 steps is, is it for me all the time. And so I guess what I would ask you is um, um, maybe to sit down um, with your sponsor um, and, and look, because um, if I'm having problems at work, um, and I don't know where you're at at the, in the steps either. Can you tell me where you're at, what step you're on? Um, I'm really just at the beginning, so through step three. I haven't really started my fourth step yet because I'm still working on my abstinence. Perfect, perfect. So you're right where you need to be. 
um, people at work are, yeah, people are at work are going um, um, to irritate you. So as you go and you start to do your inventory and your four-step, this is where you get to start looking at um, the people, coworkers, um, people like that that you're resentful at, why you're resentful at them. And you'll start to do that column work. And, um, and I think that's, that's, that was um, my experience is that's not how I did my four step, but that's how I do a 10 step. It's what I call a mini four through seven and then eight and nine if I need to make amends. Um, but stick close to your sponsor and um, just ask your sponsor to continue to guide you in the direction that you need to go as far as works. Because you know what? This 12 step way of life, it is life, right? Like I'm doing it in everything. And I, I don't leave the 12 steps out of anything. What I look at is like, how, how, does, how does my life fit into 12 steps? How does 12 steps fit into my life, right? It permeates everything and anything I do now in my life. Um, it's a new design for a living. So as you go through the steps of your sponsor, you'll begin to see that. So ask the guidance, get the guidance of your sponsor on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, for now, um, you, could, you could just be, you know, obviously, you know, relationships at work, um, and your life's unmanageable, right? You're powerless over people. Um, and that's one thing for me, like uh, more came, more was revealed to me. I'm powerless over this. I'm powerless over that. That's why I say it's one through 12 for me all the time because I am powerless. Um, but I found the solution. I've had a spiritual awakening and I continue improving practice in this program. Um, and that's just what continues to carry me through. So continue to work with your sponsor. Don't give up. And, um, you know, go and look, uh, have your sponsor uh, read those nine step promises with you and explain to you um, how, how they got those nine step promises. I think that was huge for me is hearing, hearing the, the freedom and the joy in somebody else's um, life. So keep working. Thank you, Carrie S., for your question. Catherine C., you're next, and then Kathy G. will follow you. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you so much for your share. I got a lot out of it. Um, I just want to know how you kind of like worked your steps around your like exercise addiction and like body obsession piece. Um, I am just still having a really hard time with that um, and just the obsession around it. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Thank you. Thanks for your question, Catherine. What step are you on? I'm I'm working on like step three. Okay. Um, for me, um, the uh, and the only reason I ask you is because I don't want to I don't, I don't want to say something in another step that doesn't pertain to you. Um, for mm -hmm. me, um, my experience um, around the exercise addiction was that even after I relapsed, when I was going to those 6:30 a.m. meetings every single morning, I was still getting up seven days a week and I was exercising. I wasn't exercising a lot, but I would still go out and run three and a half miles every single day, and I wouldn't mm -hmm. miss a day. And then one day, um, I was running, and the song comes on on my iPod, right? And this is God. This is how God teaches me. He teaches me through music sometimes. And Ozzy Osbourne is playing this song in my ears about the crazy train, you know? And if you've ever <laughs> heard it, it's crazy. It's a crazy song, right? He's like, I, 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 and I'm like, oh, my God, I am I, I, I. And so anyways, I'm running on the track and I'm like, dude, he's like, Jen, I'm giving you the awareness that maybe seven days a week is still a little obsessive. And I was like, aha, right? 
And so I was like, okay. So I stopped exercising seven days a week, even though it was only three miles, but I wouldn't miss it. God forbid, because I got to check that box because I got to be perfect because that's like one of my biggest character defects. Um, And so God brought me the awareness, right? It's that act. Okay. Like, okay, God, how, 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 how do you want me to be? And he said, the awareness is, is that you're exercising too much. And he's like, I need you to surrender to me. And so I surrendered that over to him in this process. And he gave me the knowledge to say, you only need to work out a couple of days a week. And you know, when I would weigh in one day a week with my sponsor, cause I was a compulsive um, scale. I was on the scale all the time, every single day, every single day, I'd write it down. I got a graph chart to prove it. Right. And um, I, I, I'm just telling you, like, it was, it was crazy. Um, guess what? The scale still stayed the same. It was the obsession, like you're saying, in my mind. And, and more will be revealed to us. I don't think, at least it's not my experience, that um, you, can, you can quit cold turkey on everything. I think God is going to continually reveal. At least that's what he's done for me, different things. When I came into this program at 130 pounds, skin and bones, and sat in meetings, I said I was a compulsive overeater. Really? I was as anorexic as anorexic could be. And it wasn't until a, almost a year later that God is like, how free do you want to be? Are you willing to admit that you are powerless over anorexia and that your life is still unmanageable in this area? See, I didn't give that up the first, when I took that first step. God continued to reveal to me. And when he gave me the awareness, I had to seek and surrender him. And then he gave me the knowledge of how to carry that out. And so I sat in a room in a face-to-face meeting and admitted to like-minded people that I was powerless over the disease of anorexia and that that was still an unmanageable piece of my life. And I don't remember when I even thought anorexic thoughts or stopped looking in the mirror and stopped pinching my body because God just took it away. That's the miracle of the program. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much, Catherine C. Kathy G., your question. And then, Pete, you'll be next. Kathy G., good morning. Thanks, Melanie. And good morning, Jen. And thank you so much for your transparency and for really just sharing um, the transformation that you've gone through. I can relate to you on so many levels. I, too, was bulimic. And I, too, first came into OA because I didn't want to die and uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, but my question this morning is uh, one of my areas of growth in my recovery is because my life was so unmanageable for so many years with this illness, it is trying to strike a balance with the time and the tasks of life and incorporate the program throughout my whole life um, as well as all the other tasks you know, that we have. So you're a single mom and you're sponsoring people. You're heavily involved in the program and and you're working. You have all these things on in your life. If you could share with some wisdom with us as to any tips you might have for balance or dealing with your time and your tasks and not feeling overwhelmed by so many people to deal with and all that, um, I would just greatly appreciate any insight. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for your question. And I'm, I'm just going to let you know, I'll be completely honest with you. I am a single mom. I work a full-time job. Everything that you said, 
but I also only have my kids 50% of the time. And I was sharing this with another in program this week is that 50% of the time my kids are here. And so like today, this weekend, my kids are not here. So I had the opportunity all day yesterday to, to work with others over the phone, right? Um, and then I am present with my kids when my kids are here, right? Um, but for me, um, that, balance, um, that balance comes from God. That, that balance comes because when I have the right attitude and, um, and the right mindset and I am working this program, that God just, and, and I put God first, right? I'm of service to God and God's kids. I walk out the door every day saying that. I'm saying that 10 times at my desk. I'm typing in my password, thy will be done, not mine. Woo! And my coworkers are like, what is your password? I'm like, oh boy, if you only knew, right? And it's, it's that I truly believe that God makes the time possible um, when I am in his will. Now, when it gets a little crazy and chaotic, I can kind of look back and go, whoa, self-will. In fact, I know this to be true because my experience was this, is that there was a time in program where I was kind of, like you're saying, it was like a little raggedy and a little crazy, and, and it was getting a little nutsy, and I'm like, how do I manage all this? And um, another song on my iPod came on, and Will Smith is, is rapping to me, and he's saying, just pump the brakes, right? So God gives me this awareness. God, God tells me what I have time for. Like right now, my sponsor has a rule. I can only sponsor two people at a time. And right now I'm. And um, so is it odd or is it God that I'm only sponsoring one person and all this stuff comes up with my son? Why? Not because I need to sponsor my son. Not because I need to guide him. No, but I have a lot more stuff on my plate to deal with. Like I wrote seven or eight inventories on paper with my sponsor this week. And prior to that, it had been four weeks since I put pen to paper. So I know that there's a lot more going on. So I just, when God gives me the awareness of a little bit, a little bit crazy, and he says, Jennifer Marie, pump the brakes, right? I know that I'm supposed to slow down, but I got to stay connected to, to, to my higher power every single day. So I hope that answers your question. Stay connected to God and he will reveal to you. Thank you, Kathy G. Pete B., it's your turn, star one. And then Mary Lee, you'll take us to the end of our meeting today. Good morning, Pete. There we go. Star now, one, sir. Can you hear me all right there now? you are. You betcha. We sure can yeah. now. Sorry about that. Thank you. Thank you for calling on me. Thank you, Jen, so much for your message. It had depth and weight, and I was moved quite a, bit, quite a few times when you were sharing it. I kind of have two questions. I think I know the answer to the second question, but I just wanted to get some clarification on it. So the first question is, you know, I, I, first off, completely jealous for the, for the, you know, direct connection and clear uh, understanding of this messaging and inspiration that you're getting from the God of your understanding. Because I often get it, but a lot of times I just don't understand when I'm getting it, and it takes and it takes some processing to, to arrive at the messaging I'm starting to get. Have you ever, have you ever you know, had an experience where the guidance you were getting wasn't necessarily from God, but more from you when you fell short and you had to address it? So that's the first question. And then I guess the second question is, is quite a few times during, the, during your, your talk, you mentioned my program, and, I, and, and it sounds like, are you, are you referencing something different than the 12-step recovery program, or just are you referencing that your, how your, you know, 
you're, you're presently working the 12-step recovery program. And then with that, I'll pass. Okay, that's really good. Thank you so much, Pete. That's so funny because I was just saying to my girlfriend when she said that day, my program, my program, my program. And I was like, is it really your program? I was like, because this is like the 12-step way of life, and this is God's, God's orderly, good orderly direction towards me. So I think I just say that because it's like my program. It's what I'm doing in the 12 steps. So I'm really glad that you clarified that. And uh, I got to think, uh, you know, like, how do I say that? Do I say it my program or this program, this practical program of action? But what I truly mean, my program is the 12 steps. Um, it's just personalizing it to me. Um, not hearing directly from um, God sometimes, and um, hopefully I can share my experience on this with you. Um, for me, I don't always get those um, disco ball, those tear-dropping um, um, uh, moments with God. It's not that way all the time. Um, that's, th- those are like, those are the big miraculous wow moments in life. But there's also the day-to-day stuff where I'm like, you know, God, I just don't see you. And he's like, you don't see me. He's like, he's like, so why don't you see me? And so I have to ask myself the question, why am I not getting clarity from God? And so I go back and I look at those four impediments to God, right? And it's like, what's blocking me from God sometimes? And I look at that. And sometimes it's that God just needs me to sit still and shut up. Because I am the type of girl that can go, 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 bounce through a room, go. I mean, I, I just go from morning to night. I get up and I go all day and I get home at 830 and I go to bed and I get up and do it all over again. And sometimes when I don't hear anything um, and I don't get direct clarity from God, he wants me to sit still. Um, be still and know that I am God. And that's the little plaque that sits up on my dresser. Um, along with some other little things that are a good reminder to me. Sometimes he just wants me to be still or to sit in it and experience it. Um, so that's just been my experience. Thanks so much, Pete B., for your question. And Mary Lee R., your question, please, and that will be the last one for today. Good morning, Mary Lee. Miss Melanie, thank you for your service, and wow. Um, all my questions have been answered. I do have a little one when you were doing the acronym for awareness or for ask for awareness surrender. Was the K knowing that all is well? What was the K? Sure, that's a good question. So A is awareness. Um, S is will I seek and seek my higher power and surrender my will and my life over to him. And then K is that he will give me the knowledge on how to carry that out. Knowledge. Ah. And then there was a little bit more. Um, I can totally relate to um, the stillbirth and the pain and the ex-husband and not having um, the communication or the ability to communicate. How is that different now for you and him? Okay, so that's a really great question, and I kind of shared a little bit of it. Um, I was a roommate with my um, with my husband at the time that I was married to him. Um, what I know today, um, it, it, after going through the 12 steps and continuing to practice and improve um, every single day um, in this practical program of action, is that um, my relationship is different with my husband because I can now see my part. And the action that I've taken was making amends to him in that, in that ninth step, right? 
And so, um, you know, that was the first part because I thought I had done nothing wrong in my marriage. I would always say, oh, yeah, it's 50-50, but I would say it so smug and so smitten, right? Like it was all his fault. He never talked to me. Like I hate the word okay because he would always go, okay, okay. And I was like, what does okay mean? It was his way of like avoiding me, right? Right? Because I was probably a tool of the hunt at that point in time in my life. I just didn't even know it. I was not even aware of how I was running people over with a Mack truck and then backing up over them. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. And then now that I'm in the 12 step program and I have gone through the steps and I've done uh, my amends to him, I have taken ownership for the wrong that I have done. I now see my part. I now see what I have done. And so by making that amends with him, which was by letter, by the way, because that was just how um, it would be best for everyone. That's what we decided is that in this letter, you know, I, 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 I cleaned up my side of the street and, um, you know, to this day, um, things have just started to change because I'm no longer the person I was before. I'm no longer that girl driving that truck trying to run everybody over and get my way. At least I pray that every single day. So that's how it's different today is that, you know, um, it, people talk about it as making a living amends. Each day I'm living out the 12 steps. I'm tolerant, patient, loving, kind, even when it's hard, right? I'm pausing when I'm agitated. All the things that I and the knowledge that I've gotten from this program and I'm taking action on all of it um, with him. And so it is actually a really beautiful thing to be able there to sit um, with your ex-husband, his, his wife, you and your child, and to be able to have a conversation and be able to parent your 16-year-old son over a huge issue that you never, ever thought would ever come your way. And, and it, was, it was beautiful and it was neutral thanks to this program and thanks to God. So I hope that answered it. Thanks, Mary Lee R. And that is the last question that we'll have for today. Thank you for all those questions this morning. It just in, in, enhanced even what Jen was able to present today, which was just fantastic and phenomenal. The recovery, the miracles that still abound in these rooms by doing this work. So I will give you then the closing portion of our meeting today. Please stand by for Jen's contact information that will come following the conclusion here. The share ID for Sunday, today, July, I'm so sorry, for August 5th, 2018, is 11749, 11,749. We will close with page 164, like we always do here at our Sunday special edition. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.